Hi, my name is Jason Scott. I'm the host of iloveedmontonrealestate.com and my guest today is Lauren Hunt, who is a realtor with the Foundry Real Estate Company. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we are off to a, what I would say is a pretty hot start to the 2020 real estate year. What's your experience so far? It's been busy. Very, very, very busy. What are you seeing going on? Not enough houses and too many people trying to buy the same type of house right now. So frustrated buyers, properties going for over ask and lots of multiples, meaning lots of people writing offers on the same property and only one gets chosen, of course, as you know. So there's anywhere between two to seven buyers that are disappointed on every deal right now, which is wild. So why do you think we're in such a seller's market right now where there's all this demand, you know, the economy's still recovering from COVID. Mm-hmm. What's going on? My personal conspiracy theory is that we're seeing a lot of relocation from other provinces that are having troubles with their housing market out west and out east. And Edmonton right now is priced well. So moving here for, of course, that. But then also I suspect there's some works in the or something in the works work-wise. So when there's people moving here for work and there's people moving here for housing pricing and they're coming in hot and there's not enough houses, that's what we're seeing. Because a lot of my clients right now are actually from out of province. They're buying properties sight unseen, which is also very unique. Yeah, that's very (laughs) unusual. Yeah, I would say that my experience very much mirrors what you're seeing. So there's, there's... Right now, there's probably at most a couple of days goes by. And then once again, I hear from someone from out of province looking to move here. And you're right. You know, housing prices here are extremely affordable Mm -hmm. compared to other parts of the country. I have clients who moved from Edmonton to northwestern Ontario, Mm -hmm. uh, Sault Ste. Marie. They cannot buy a house there because it's just a hot market there as well. I'm originally from northeastern Ontario. It doesn't make sense to me that the Sioux is on fire with real estate. Okay, So anyways, if you're someone from southern Ontario or the lower mainland in BC, yeah, Edmonton looks like a steal of a deal. Truly, truly is right now. Come on over. (laughs) (laughs) So Lauren, how did you get into real estate? The short version is that I worked in design and the construction sales industry, selling flooring for over 10 years. And I always thought I'd stay there, but the two industries go hand in hand. I spent a lot of time helping realtors get properties ready for their clients to list or people buying properties that they move in and they want to change something. And real estate was a natural fit, I think. And nice running your own schedule, of course, but when you get to work hands-on with your clients as opposed to trying to juggle 40 people a day at a store, for example, it just makes the experience so much more enjoyable for both parties, myself included, and then also the client gets more hands-on help in the process. And so in 10 years in flooring, I would assume you've seen a lot of floors in houses. Yes, every house has a floor, (laughs) and unfortunately every home needs something whether even if it's brand new someone wants to change something so they they're good industry and they go hand in hand so right but when you were in flooring you would go out on location right so how many houses do you think you've been to i actually did the math recently i personally have been in close to five thousand houses in my time with just the number of measures i would do in a year in edmonton particularly so for me with real estate when i go to a property 
chances are I've been in that area or I know the same footprint of the house and I have had experience with that type of house in right. the flooring side. So yeah, close to 5,000 houses, I would okay. say. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that gives you sort of like some organic history. Yes. So then, okay, so how does flooring sales and that history tie into to becoming a successful realtor? I think sales is sales. If you love what you're selling, then it makes it enjoyable, but also easier. And then with houses, I just realized I actually love homes more so than the interiors part of it. So changing the interior for sure is still a passion of mine. And I do the design still, but going to houses and seeing houses and there's always something new that you see. And I just love, I've always loved interiors and structures. And even from when I was a kid, I watched every HGTV show there was always loved houses, love the flip shows, love the real estate shows, even as trashy as selling sunset. I don't watch it for the content. I love just looking at the properties and I never seem to get sick of it. So I tell my clients all the time, I'll go to as many houses as you want and don't mistake my excitement for being in that house as I'm trying to sell it to you. I'm genuinely just happy to be there. So that's kind of where they tied in. And I'm glad I'm doing this full time. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a part of the city or a type of client you're focusing on right now? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a trend in real estate where you notice the same name in neighborhoods or they tell people this is what I specialize in. But I think for me, I don't specialize in a particular area because I've, again, been to almost all of them, (laughs) it feels like. I want to just focus on the clients that really are skeptical about real estate, maybe. What do you mean by that? Well, I just, I've made it my personal mission to change people's perception of the value of a realtor. So the exciting, the part of the process where it should be exciting and even going through the more challenging parts of negotiation, it should still be enjoyable and it should still feel like you're working for them. And if they feel like you're working as hard as you can for them, then they'll value you as a realtor again. So I mean, there's apps online and the MLS and you have access to do a lot of the shopping yourselves and list the property yourself or go with a comfrey setup. Sure, that's great. But I think that only exists because people don't necessarily see the value in having realtors. So why do you think they wouldn't see the value? Well, again, I think because a lot of the information is accessible to themselves so they can do a lot of the homework themselves right? By going online, checking out the MLS themselves, realtor.ca themselves. And then they are the ones sending the information to a realtor. And the only thing they can't do is open the door themselves. But the difference becomes the after that and listening to what they're saying and hearing what they're actually saying and then going out and finding that property for them. Right. My counter argument to be to that would be though, people don't know what they don't know. So they think they know True. You know, an area or what their house Correct. is worth, et cetera. Yes. So educating them and knowing that and having that information ready for them when they get there and then finding them a property that maybe they hadn't considered in a neighborhood that they hadn't necessarily considered because you're listening to what they're saying. So I always love when I find the house for the client as opposed to them having sent it to me. I sometimes actually get a little annoyed. I'm like, oh, darn, I wish I had sent it to them first because it was probably on my hit list or I was getting there. But you'll always have that person that's online all the time and they send it to you. But yeah, most, I would say 95% of my deals that I've done, I have found the property for them. Okay. 
So now you have a psychology background as I well, do. right? Mm-hmm. So how does sales and psychology and real estate all tie together? Oh, I ironically had this conversation yesterday. In psychology in school, you really don't actually learn psychology of how to read people's minds. <laughs> I would say marketing and human behavior courses, those are the kind of things that you learn more about the psychology of buyers and shoppers and just people in general. I would just think that the psychology background, my approach is maybe different to sales. I'm less worried about the sale and more concerned with the end user, what's going to make them happiest based on listening to them and trying to figure them out. So I guess I'm more of like a psychology scientist. Like I'm always just curious about people. So I want to know you as well as I can so that I can genuinely find you the best like house really or product. So the psychology, I think, is more of just a personal interest, like someone who's genuinely curious about that other mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a colleague of mine yesterday, and it was about how, as a mortgage broker, a huge part of what we do is managing people's fears and stresses Absolutely. and expectations. Yep. Right. So it's like 95% psychology, 5% yeah, actually for sure. deciding on, on which way an application goes. Or right? especially when you get the two individuals who are on complete different pages. So now you're oh, a marriage you like counselor. A couple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have to be able to navigate, okay, well, you're saying this, you're saying this, let's find you a compromise. And sometimes you do sit back and think, well, I could probably have been a marriage counselor. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. And yeah, and just really getting a sense for who you're working with because not everyone is going to want the same approach. And I think that's where salespeople, quote unquote, get caught up in the, well, this is how you do sales. But if you go the psychology route and you really tailor your approach to that person, it just makes it more comfortable for everybody. Do you have an example of being a realtor slash marriage counselor in terms of selling or buying a place with clients? Not so much on the marriage side. I do have a couple right now, unfortunately, have split in the last two years. So different process for them now, but family and you are part of this deal. So you know exactly who we're talking about here, but there's dad involved, sister involved, brother involved. Two of them live out of province. Another sibling lives here. She's not part of it, but has an opinion. And now I'm in a group chat with all four of them and they're fighting with each other. Right. And I don't respond, of course, because I just, it's not my place. But then one of them will say, well, Lauren, you've, you've got to do this for me. And then the other sibling pipes up and says, no, actually, that's inappropriate. You can't ask her to do that. That's not her job. And then the next thing you know, they're all on FaceTime. So <laughs> it's managing the families. And then, of course, from our roles, what we can and can't say, and just ethically, right? Like there's, it's not my place to get involved in certain matters. So just kind of politely saying that's not really part of what I do. You guys have your conversation and get back to me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when things don't go the way of one person or the other, now you're getting phone calls from all sides. So it's just trying trying to navigate that and keep a certain boundary as well. Yeah. I think is the key when there is a relationship or they're not on the same page is making sure your boundaries are clear. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're teaming up on the one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. How do you find it when say parents are trying to help their children buy a place? And obviously the parents have experience world life experience. They've bought places before. Mm-hmm. They know their kids. They care about their kids. You know, you never stop wanting to Uh get what's right for your child or best for your child. How do you navigate that one? 
Parents are tougher from the fact, of course, I have my own parents. I get it. And that's the key thing is I, I understand where you're coming from. So I'm just going to do my best to lean into what you're thinking in the sense of, okay, if you've got an overprotective dad at the inspection, best advice from my broker too, is you go to dad and you go, okay, show me what you're seeing, like point it out. Let me take notes. I'll make sure we follow up on it instead of trying to be an obstacle for them. Mm-hmm letting them kind of take charge and knowing that's okay. Cause they too are really at the best interest of their kids. Yeah. So if you approach it from that side, which is knowing that they are doing what they think is best for their kids, you don't know their relationship between the family and that person buying the house. They might just brush them off and say, okay, whatever my dad just wanted to be there. You don't know. So if you interject yeah. or you make assumptions, you'll probably end up caught somehow in the middle. Yeah. I just try not to, think too much about it and just make everyone comfortable. Yeah. Mm. So when did you know it was time to make the switch from your sales pass in flooring Mm -hmm. to real estate? Like what was the aha moment that was like, (laughs) you know what? This is the perfect place for me in my career. This is embarrassing of an answer, but I'll tell it because it's funny. I had been tossing and turning over the idea. I think a lot of us when we've had a career and it's gone well, but you really know that your passion is elsewhere, it's scary. Like it's scary to leave because it's consistent income and you know exactly what you're getting. So to jump now to something else that's unknown and knowing you'll do well because you love it, but you also don't know yet, right? It's kind of scary. But for me, the aha moment was I was at the office and I go, oh my God, you guys, I can just go to Ikea right now. And they laughed at me and I said, no, you don't understand. In my other industry, I was 7 a.m. to 7 or 8 p.m. all day, every day, phones nonstop, managing way too many people. And I had no time to do anything for me ever to get caught up for me ever to do anything that made my life easier. I spent all of my time doing that. So then now to, and everyone says, well, real estate's evenings and weekends. You're going to lose your evenings and weekends. Sure. But your day in real estate, I still get up early, but I could actually just go to Ikea when I wanted to go to Ikea and not have to worry about running back to be at a retail store and, oh my gosh, is the store covered? And, oh my gosh, those emails and those 700 things I didn't get done in a day. So when you have time to take care of also yourself and do things that make it happier and easier for you, that transfers over to your career, I feel always in a really good mood, always excited to go and show properties. I don't care what time my clients call me in real estate, please do, because I'm looking forward to it again. So that's kind of a silly thing, but it just was, I hadn't had that in almost 12 years where I could just get one thing on my to-do list for myself done at the time I wanted to. So that was nice. No, it's, you know what, when you're self-employed, like we are, it's absolutely true that your headspace is critical mm-hmm. and it's really easy to get caught up and just work, 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 work. And yeah. you don't even realize how it's impacting you and your interactions with your clients and your ability to help them. hundred percent. So mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. So let's go back to people coming in from out of province. Mm-hmm. The people who are coming right now, what sort of properties and price points are they looking for? Two very distinct. I would say the single family house in that 400 to 600 range. And those are the ones that are going to multiple offers. Of course, there's not enough of them. 
they don't necessarily, or I would say most of them I find don't want a renovation situation. They want turnkey because again, if they're moving here and they don't really know the area yet, they just want to move in second they get here ready to go. And also on the flip side of that, some of them are the same buyers looking for rentals, like affordable condo, small townhouse, something that's under now that 200,000 range. Yeah. Because if you're buying in Thunder Bay right now or Hamilton of all places, you're spending 900 to a million plus on a single family house. Well, they can come here and buy a house and two rental properties and make money. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, especially if they're selling in Ontario. And if they're pre-approved for a million dollars, they can get a mansion here. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of what I'm seeing. And industry-wise, they're working in, a lot of them are oil and or engineers. Oh, really? Or, yeah. So that's, that's interesting because, yeah. okay, so right now we're at, I don't know what oil is today, but roughly $130. Mm-hmm. It's in March of 2022 right now. Russia's invaded Ukraine. All sorts of craziness is going on in the world. And oil prices were already on the higher end of the scale before that happened. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Were you around for the last boom? I was around. I wasn't working in the industry yet. I would have been at the just getting into, or well, mid-university, I guess, the last boom. But I do remember being into flooring at the tail end, like at the peak of it almost yeah. now at this point. And yeah. I, gosh, like I've never seen anything like that. I wasn't in real estate at that time, so I imagine the realtors in those years made excellent money. Mm-hmm. But there's always fallout as well. So yeah. those same houses that were selling for 400000 more than they normally would also couldn't sell then two years later for what they paid. So Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think we're in that sort of a bubble situation, so but we're going to start seeing upward pressure on houses. You've already mm-hmm. talked about multiple offers and people offering yeah. over list. Yeah. How do you counsel your clients when they're getting into that sort of a situation? Well, there's a couple approaches. Again, it really depends on the people, but when there's a trend in the type of home they're looking at, if they're not in a situation to pull the trigger tomorrow, I tell them that. I say, listen, let's just go see a couple of places because we don't know what you want yet. But until you fall in love with something, just know that probably 10 other people are in love with it too. So if it gets listed tomorrow and you can't go till Saturday, consider it gone. And that's happened too many times where... By the time they can go, even two days later, that house is sold. Mm-hmm. So I do have a couple of people where they've started reaching out to me and they said, yep, in March, we're going to be there. And they've started sending me listings in January. And I've had to tell those people as well. The day before you're actually here and we're going out, we'll have to check that day because the properties that you're holding on interest to won't be there. Mm-hmm. And if they are, that's really lucky for us and we'll go. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. just setting the expectation and making sure that they're not overpromised and then get frustrated. And two, if you tell them, hey, lots of properties are going to multiples and people are overspending and it's okay if you don't want to be one of those people ahead of time, then they don't feel pressured from my end. Just because there's this sense of, I think, false sense of urgency just because they want to spend $50,000 over ask does not mean you need to unless you are absolutely sure and the dollar amount makes sense to you. Yeah, and just in case the market eventually might turn, right? Yeah. And if you're in a situation where you're forced to sell, you don't want to be exposing yourself to have had overpaid. On that note, the yeah. amount of foreclosures right now 
in really, really nice areas really? is alarming. Why? So What's going on there? I imagine it's COVID. Again, speculation. I imagine these are houses that were appear to have built also during a boom. So mm-hmm. who knows what was spent on it to build it. And or during COVID, those people are not working anymore, maybe. I don't know the reasons to why they that specifically had to have a foreclosed situation, but I was surprised and I'm still surprised at how many foreclosures in areas that we wouldn't necessarily think like that over $600,000 and up community. So seven to one and a half million kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a lot of house in Edmonton. It's a lot of house. Yeah. Really nice neighborhoods, really big houses, acreages, like the smaller estates, acreages. Really? Yeah. Wild. I guess it... I mean, we hear or you read the articles in Mm -hmm. the paper about how there's, you know, the job market is just exploding where hiring is back, etc. But maybe it hasn't trickled through everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, I think we see it a lot in any sort of recession or boom. The houses that get hit the hardest first are usually the condos and down or Mm -hmm. the really big or high end stuff because... The majority of, I would say, the Edmonton community is kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. right. It's a, it's a blue collar town blue by and collar. large. Yeah. And so the so four or that three to six hundred range seem yeah. to be kind of safe, and they go up and down and they move around a little bit, but it's outside of that spectrum. So my only advice would be, if you're in the market for anything outside of that, just know that when condos are down, buy them, right? (laughs) Buy them because they'll go up. They just won't go up as quickly. And if those big, big houses are really, really down, buy them, but just know that they fluctuate more. So you have to be comfortable to kind of ride the wave. Mm -hmm. But there's really good opportunity though in those foreclosure situations to get way more house for your money because it normally would have been much more expensive to buy it. So opportunity, I guess, where for someone else it's not the greatest situation. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've mentioned people buying sight unseen because they're still back in whatever province they're yes. currently living in. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that scenario? How do you even show a house? FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a client who's out of Calgary. He's a petroleum engineer being relocated here for work. And he phoned me from Dubai for a month straight because he's panicking now trying to find a place and he was back visiting family and he's living and working out of Calgary and he's trying to buy here and he's being told he has a month to relocate. So I'm going to properties and FaceTiming him essentially on Google um, FaceTime or whatever the Google meetings are. And yeah, walking him through the house as if he was there and he's written offers on three or four, all gone to multiples and lost every single one of them. Really? Yeah. Now he's back in Calgary and same thing. Like I asked him, do you want to drive up and do a lap? Cause you're not that far now. Nah, actually the FaceTime works just fine. So that's the good news in having the ability to do that with your smartphone, but I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) Definitely get your eyes on the property yourself. Yeah, I mean, they've got to put extra sort of trust and faith in you that you're on the same page as them. Yeah, where I guess that would be back to my construction background. I have a little bit more, I would say, understanding and see things differently than some people. The things that get overlooked in a property, even just with buyers are things that I'm trained to look for when doing renovations. Mm -hmm. So I can point things out where necessary or make mention of things so that when they do buy their property, they're not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Tell me about the most frustrating day you've had in the real estate industry. Truthfully, it was just dealing with another agent. The way that the listing had been posted was misleading in the sense of myself, the client, my broker, who's essentially responsible for me, and the banks and the mortgage brokers all read the wording the same way. So then to go back to the realtor and say, hey, you know, we're just looking for this paperwork to support the claim made on your listing and be told we never said that or that's not what we meant. Now the client's at the point where they've submitted paperwork, they've applied for the mortgage, they've fallen in love with the property, they're excited about it being a legal suite or going to be a legal suite uh, okay. in the basement. So it was a non-conforming or it wasn't a, It wasn't any of those things. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my frustration was mostly trying to get answers out of someone trying to backpedal now. And then now managing the expectations of the buyer to say, I'm so sorry because of not overselling it to you one way, but also assuming it was one way. But the good news is we pulled it all together. And again, because of my connections in construction, I was able to get someone out there immediately to give them some peace of mind as to what stage this suite was going to be. And it was much further along than we were hoping for. And all that was left to do was mostly just get the compliance and the permits from the city. So again, costs out of their pocket to do these things now that the other side was not willing to pay because homes are going to multiples. And they basically turned around and said, if you don't want it, someone else will buy it. Mm -hmm. Then now they've deleted that information from their listing because of the way it was worded. They didn't want to be in this situation again, but we made it work. They got the place. It's done. They're happy. But that was very frustrating because they... On the other side, instead of communicating and having what I call an adult conversation about it, now they're screaming and yelling and getting flustered and calling my broker. And he's looking at it saying, well, I don't know why you're so upset. This is your listing. You kind of put yourself in this position. Yeah, but right. our office has a really good team and really good mentorship style of management. So anytime you need anything or you have a question, you're not out there doing it alone or trying to figure it out alone. You have them right there. And we got resolved and everyone was happy at the end. So that was good. So it's almost like a sort of hive approach to solving problems. Yeah. In fact, their big thing when they started the brokerage was we want our agents to be knowledgeable and we want our agents to make money, but not be frustrated and know that they can ask questions mm -hmm. because the industry has such high turnover, mm -hmm. right? Making sure that if we're going to make mistakes, you catch them early, but hopefully we don't make mistakes because you're comfortable coming to us and asking questions before just making a decision or guessing, right? Right. So that's really cool because I think that people just are nervous to ask questions or look wrong or yeah. feel stupid. when if you catch it up front, yep. you can avoid it. And we caught it early on that one yep. on my end. So that was great. And it got resolved. Yeah. You know what? Like on the mortgage side of things, I've been doing this for 14 years. Mm -hmm. I regularly learn something new, right? It's just, mm -hmm. there are so many combinations and permutations in any number of ways on deals that, yeah, you never, ever stop learning. What's your biggest frustration with dealing with realtors, I guess? Oh, my biggest frustration. I guess it goes back to managing expectations, right? So if the market is going to be busy, like last year and this year, people think that we can get an approval done in ridiculously short periods of time. And so if I get a contract this morning, 
and a realtor the next day says, hey, can we waive financing? Well, the reality is the lender hasn't even looked at the application yet. Mm -hmm. Lenders are bogging down. They bogged down last year, right, because of the huge volume of transactions. At the end of the day, there are human underwriters and human doc review people, and they were all working from home and by and large are still working from home, so it's not as efficient. And when you have lenders receiving, as an example, and this is a real-life example, three times their Mm -hmm. expected volume of applications per day, and that goes on for a week or two, they're sunk, right? Mm -hmm. And so I say to clients and realtors, you should be asking for, if you can get it, seven to 10 business days for financing. Yeah, I know it sounds long, right? But better to be honest up front than to keep on going back and say, can we have an extension? Oh, can we have another extension, right? The other frustrating thing is uh, often we'll see realtors sort of guiding clients to make offers without financing conditions. Mm. And I say to people, unless you or your realtor has three or $400,000 in the bank to pay cash for this thing, you need that financing clause because it's not just you who gets approved. Right. It's also the property. And in a situation where, you know, there's upward pressure on prices and whatnot, at some point, mm-hmm. properties will be deemed to be overvalued by the appraisers or the bank, and then we're stuck. Yeah. And you don't want to be you know, the person holding the hot potato when the music ends kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing, just locals shopping against not locals because they don't need the financing condition in there. Or I agree, I tend to agree they should always put it in there, but if they're coming from west or east, right? Well, yeah, in Toronto and Vancouver, things have gotten absolutely insane and people will make offers a couple hundred thousand dollars over list Mm -hmm. without conditions. Yep. Right. So if you have that mentality and you're coming to the Edmonton market, yeah, yeah, it's it's a problem. It makes it more challenging. And I think, too, buyers are not getting their pre-approvals confirmed or they're not even having that conversation and they're going out and shopping and then they're falling in love with places and then they're writing offers with financing condition. And then now how do you buy it? They didn't know what they were approved for. So my other big piece of advice with just how the market is right now is until you've had that conversation with a qualified mortgage broker, please, (laughs) Um, that's when you start shopping. Yeah. I mean, I I routinely clean up messes where people were not approved. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyways, but that's another, that's besides the point. That's besides the point. Okay, Lauren, let's say uh, you have family members who are are doing the opposite of what your clients are doing right now. So they're going to buy in another city. So not Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So you can't help them. So let's say they're moving to Southern Ontario. What advice would you give a family member on how to choose a realtor? Oh, that's a tough one. I would say... Call as many as you need to feel comfortable. Have phone calls with them. FaceTime them. Ask all the questions that you need that matter to you because if they can't answer the questions or they don't want to answer the questions or you just don't get that warm and fuzzy feeling from them, that doesn't mean they have to be a warm and fuzzy feeling person, just that connection with them. It's a mutual relationship. You have to want to work with them as much as they want to work with you. And as well, when you are buying possibly sight unseen or you don't know a neighborhood or community or where you're moving, someone who's possibly not going to pressure you into buying, even if you've gone to five, 10 places, because you don't know where 
you're moving to. You don't know the community. You want to learn as much about it as you can, right? So I think having someone that you feel comfortable will take the time and walk you through the process and explain everything to you would be my only recommendation. And I'm seeing that with my buyers that are moving here, almost like over-educating them. And when I do my FaceTime with the, at the house, I'll continue to FaceTime them while I'm driving around the community in the neighborhood and saying, this is the block that your house is actually on. And when you turn the corner, there's a park here. And this is now four minute drive from here to Edmonton city limits. So it might look a certain distance on a map, but just know that when you say you want to be within two minute drive to something, it's more like five or 10. So, (laughs) and yeah. And there's also something to be said about if you are moving somewhere new, buy something, anything like pick a neighborhood, just get there depending on how long you plan to be there. Don't overspend, get yourself into the community, live there. And if the market is continuing the way it is currently, it's a little safer to do that in Edmonton. You could buy a place move there at the recommendation of whoever is helping you. But then if you don't love it or after you've gotten comfortable or situated, you can sell it and buy something else. So excellent. Yeah. Any other thoughts or comments? Thoughts or comments? Nope. I would just say to anyone who's listening to this is have the conversation early about the financial side and doesn't need to be uncomfortable. It's mostly so you don't get frustrated in the process. And then two, once you've had that, Phone someone who will take you out to as many houses as it takes to find the one that's perfect. Yeah. It should be fun. Shopping should be fun. Listing should be fun. Real estate should be a good time for everyone. So if it's not, you're using the wrong agent. That's all I have to say. That's awesome. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Lauren. Thank you for having me. 